then you can pick somebody or let them come up as they so desire. Okay. Is that okay? Sure. All right. Amen. Amen. Um, Amen. Can I say something, please? Absolutely. Sorry, I just want to thank Brother John. Amen. Oh, absolutely. It's pretty cool being able to discover little things. I knew we could play, but I didn't know that could. I knew we could play, I didn't know that could, though. Oh, true. So you're, you're, you're even you're surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Sister Amber, awesome. better, excuse me. Sister Amber better be careful. <laughs> I think she'll also be relieved sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just be like, hey, can you step in? <laughs> um, praise God. Um, so, yeah, the Lord has put different things on my heart today, um, just as I submit to Him. And um, one thing is awesome about submission uh, that I've learned over the years. Uh, like when, when I was younger, I, I wasn't very submissive. You know, God has put me through a lot of fire, and, and, and I know He's still going to uh, continue to put me through more fire um, in order to be more conformed to His image. Um, uh, nothing I say is going to be original because God is the only origin of all things. Uh, he's the one who brings origin to everything. So if there's anything I ever say, there's nothing new under the sun. That's right. Know, Amen. Um, Amen. But if it's worth saying, it came from heaven. You know? Amen. That's right. Um, uh, if it's not worth saying, Lord, correct me. You know, that's another thing. Um, uh, as I go, I'm learning to welcome correction. Amen. If, if, when it comes from yep. God, right? Yep. Amen. 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 Thank God for the rod. Yes. <laughs> Uh, what does it say? Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction. It doesn't say the rod of abuse. Right. You know, right. Um, I, I know the difference, you know, between God and how the devil deals with us, you know, and I'd rather be in God's hands than yeah. in right? yeah. you know? um, But, you know, like Joe said, though he slay me, yet, I yet yeah, will trust in him, you know. Um, you know, uh, like... Like he, Paul, when he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You right, know? right. Thank you, God, you know? Amen. So Amen. When, when I read in the Psalms and it talks about save me from my enemies, as God has taught me, there's the threefold enemy, you know, it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yep. And so I pray, you know, God, save me from the old man, the enemy within, right? Yeah. Putting off the old man, putting on Christ. You know, um, I, I include that. You know, I think one of my problems before was I didn't include that. You know, it was always just looking at flesh and blood. Sometimes even at God, you know, as if he was the enemy. But he's, he's not the enemy. He's just after my flesh. Yeah. To put that to death in order that Christ may be formed in me. And that's, that's, that's true freedom, you know. Amen. Amen. But um, uh, God, also, God gave me a few things to say, then I just kept giving it back to him throughout the week. You know, just um, one thing that I know you guys will appreciate. Brother Jeffers used to say, don't study to preach, study to know God. That's right. Amen. 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 And then you'll have plenty to say. That's right. You know, That's right. About your relationship, you know, uh, with God, walking with God. You know, we become a message. You know, uh, God makes us into a message, um, living epistles. Um, but 
God also gave me stuff to say about people um, that are here. Um, but I'm just thankful that our pastor is with us in spirit. Yes, amen. And um, I'm so thankful for the pattern that it gives us in scriptures of fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. Yeah. It's a biblical thing. The devil has really tried to mess that thing up, yeah. but God's bringing it back. Yes. Amen. You know, remember the mantle of Elijah. Mm-hmm. What was it to bring the hearts of the fathers to the sons? And that, that goes for mothers and daughters, too. This isn't a gender uh, or, I mean, superiority thing. It's more like a divine order. And, That's right. Um, and uh, Jesus is an equal. He's the great equalizer. There is no... Adolf Hitler's in the um, body of Christ. That's you right. know, that uh, the greatest among us is the one, the servant of all. But so, but I'm just I'm thankful for him. Maybe right now, real quick, we could just um, unite and offer up some prayer for them. Amen. Uh, they're over there. I just want to say, man, you know, <laughs> you know, we just want to see more of Jesus, right? And when we see him in our pastor or we see him in other leaders that God puts in our life, it's awesome. Because it was like Timothy when he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Yes. Paul wasn't some big old egotistical person. He was probably the most humble at that time. Um, you know, uh, and uh, he said some bold things. That if you think about it in your carnal mind, you're going to think, man, is he arrogant? You know, he, um, I'm not lacking in anything uh, uh, with the other apostles. Um, no, he was just telling it like it was. But notice he would say things like, yet not I, but Christ. He would give all the glory to Christ. Yeah. But he wouldn't back down right. when it came to what the Lord would have him to do. You know, um, it was just an awesome balance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I see stuff like that in leaders that God puts in my life, it, it's just very inspiring. And so I just want to give honor where honor is due. If you're, I don't know if you're listening, Pastor, but I love you. I appreciate you. I'll never, ever try to take your place. But I will someday love to be like Jesus, who is in you. Amen. You know, someday I'll be saying just like Elijah where is the God of Marcus Warren? You know, um, I know I'm supposed to know God for myself, and you teach me to do that. But there is something to say about as you do it, you know, the Lord inspiring um, me to follow you as you follow Christ, you know. And um, so, anyhow, that's just how it is, you know, and I pray that God would do the same thing in me, you know, that God would raise me up to be a good father someday, that God would raise me up to be a, a better husband, I want to say, I don't want to say a good husband, as if he hasn't done anything good yet, no, there's, there's been some great things that he's done through the years uh, that have made Esther and I more in love today than ever before, um, and it's because we're more in love with Jesus, I would say that Remember in the word how it says the first love, you know, um, 
what, if, if, if that was all that we did was, was after her first love, I'm telling you, everything else would fall into place. Yeah, yeah. You would never love your wife more than when you're in your first love. Right. He, he gives you more love to give for your wife. Amen. He gives you more love to give for, to your children. Uh, uh, you know, he gives you more love to give for souls. And souls are in desperate need. And I humble myself. I'll be the first to say, God, forgive me for, you know, my selfishness. Um, but, but thank you for the love that you do give me for souls. But I pray for more. It's all about just more. God, Amen. continue to change me. Um, uh, but I also want to say um, that I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful for Alice. Lily and Roland, they're all of you, all of you. Um, if I would say though, um, Alice, um, I'm just so thankful for all the times that God has used you um, to speak a word from the Lord, no doubt about it. You know, not playing around. God has made you a warrior. I know it's not easy. You know, um, the place that he's put you in, um, I, I know that um, you have suffered, and I'm not trying to, you know, but, um, you know, partaking in the suffering of Christ, but I, God has made you a warrior, and you have been a very precious part of um, this body, um, and uh Anyhow, praise you, Jesus. Um, praise you, Jesus. Um, maybe right now, I, I don't know if God's checking me or what, but because we can lose track of time, you know what I'm saying? But I was, I could go on and on. I could go through this whole room and say good things from the Lord. No flattery, you know? And um, uh, I'm thankful for you, Chris, and you, Dave, for the Lord bringing you here um, and all that you have uh, added to this church. You know, I'm thankful for what, for all the things that he did previously. Even before you guys might have, actually you, you were raised in, in South Shore. So, um, but Brother Chris probably remember what it was like before that. And, and, and I'm sure God put you through some process even before you came to South Shore, and um, we, you know, how it talks about do not despise the day of small things. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of awesome things that, as you go along with Christ, the Lord will show you. Boom! I was there. This is what I did. Boom! Boom! The stepping stones. There was Mark Hanby Senior wrote this awesome thing about uh, sewing. Uh, and um, anyhow, he he he, uh, he said, "Don't ever." Uh, he said, "Be thankful for the stepping stones that God put in your life." I know some people to this day that they're not necessarily apostolic, but God used them mightily. They were as Christ. They were very Christ-like to what whatever degree that they were, and it was a, it was enough to bring me a lot further along than I was before. And so I pray that God would send a Priscilla and an Aquila their way. To, to show them the more excellent way, you know. Um, but um, anyhow, uh, but uh, Lily.
same thing. Like, um, I consider you like collectively, um, like mothers, you know, mothers of Zion, like spiritual mothers, you know, and um, sometimes mothers have to be stern at times, but many times, you know, um, and, 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 and that helps a child to understand that, okay, there's, you know, I got mercy for you, I got love for you, but there's some things in your life that need to change. And um, I love you too much to just let you, that's another thing I'm so thankful um, for the word that, um, and I believe that that word could not be preached um, in spirit and in truth unless there was character in the vessel that was preaching it. And so I'm thankful for the, the covering that I have here. I'm thankful for the word that has come. Sometimes it's come like a hammer at my flesh, not from abusive lips, you know, but from love, the love of a father that loves you too much to leave you, loves you enough to take you as you are, but loves you too much to leave you right. like you are. Right. And um, I'm just thankful, you know, and I've learned to appreciate um, sometimes that the message is hard. Usually that's the one that if I receive it, that's the one that I end up getting even more healing, Amen. And even more breakthrough. Yep. If I'll just face whatever it is yeah. that either needs to change or needs to be given to the Lord for, for surgery in my heart. And so I'm just thankful, man, I'm thankful. Amen. You know, and I pray right now, you know, that, that God would even create an even more uncompromising cons concerning the word of God. Amen. You know, um, uh, that, that it would all be all about just going deeper with the Lord. And, um, but, um, so, like I said, I could, I could go throughout the room, um, uh, thankful for what God has been doing in your life, Carrie and Harry, and you guys are very precious, and you guys have a very precious purpose and calling, and it really all boils down to, you know, if you don't currently have a job right now, God has a job for you. Mm -hmm. Seek my face. Amen. Amen. You know, what does it say? Trust me with all your heart. Lean on your own understandings as all my ways. Acknowledge me, and I will direct your paths. God will sometimes bury your hopes or allow your hopes and your dream that are not of him to be buried in order to resurrect something that is of him. He says, I know that I, the plans that I have for you. There's been a lot of things where I thought like it was my carnal interpretation of, of, of how this whole thing, how this whole journey was going to go. You know, or, or how I was going to get to the place that he called me to be. And he allowed that to be buried, you know. Oh, oh, wait a minute. That's right, Lord. It was your death, burial, and resurrection that I was called to. <laughs> you know what I mean? But thankfully, there's a resurrection, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, then it's like, wow, so this is this, or, you know, whatever it is. You know, So this is what marriage is supposed to look like. Oh, okay. 
praise God. It's like you're way better than uh, what I was trying to, you know. Um, yeah, anyhow, forgive me. If I was Elmer Fudd, I'd be saying, but 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 that's all, folks. <laughs> I don't want to get too carnal, you know, but. Um, so here's just a little word. Uh, um, I just want to say, Brother Gary, I'm thankful for all the times. There was times I was going through it, and the Lord would lead you to come and pray for me, and I could feel the, the power of God. I could feel the love. Just it was like what I needed to to care to care, keep me going, you know. And uh, I just want to say thank you. It's all about giving honor where honor is due, you know. Amen. No matter what we're going through, I'm sure there's things that I say or do that might offend. And um, and I'm not saying that about anybody here, but um, the Bible says forgiving one another, you know, and and, and long suffering, bearing with one another, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> So, you know, Lord, just keep working on us to encourage one another, build one another up, have mercy on one another, um, and just, you know, keep going with Jesus, more of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, so, just real quick, and you can cut me. Whenever you're ready. All right. Um, so, I'm not going to be long. Uh, that was just the introduction. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just kidding. No, I just want to um, get personal real quick. Um, you know, this is actually, God's really had me in the Psalms a lot uh, for probably all the time that I've been up here. But even more, more and more as, as the journey goes. And it's not because he doesn't want the rest of the word to uh, to get into me because I've been getting all kinds uh, of word from you know all of, what is what did Paul say? Uh, our pastor must be impossible because Paul said the same thing because um, he's like uh, I did not shun to declare unto you all the whole counsel of God. So and you know here you know it's like you know you get the whole counsel of God and um, I'm very thankful for that. But um, one thing that's very unique about the Psalms is. Um, it's all about a, a real prayer life with the Lord, a real communication, walking with God, relationship, intimate, intimate. Um, and so somebody uh, or many different people have called it like an anatomy of the soul. Like it, it pretty much covers everything that you could possibly uh, go through. Experientially, emotionally, spiritually, it covers everything. And um, another person called it a little Bible because everything that you could see in all of the other scriptures is in here too. He noticed uniquely, Jesus talked about the Psalms a lot. He quoted from the Psalms a lot. And um, he talked about Moses. You know, when, when it said, on, the, on the road to Emmaus, it says that he explained all of the scriptures to them, starting with, beginning with Moses, and then it, it goes on, and, uh, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you can correct me if I'm wrong afterwards, but I'm pretty sure he mentioned the Psalms, there, but there are other times where he, expect, uh, he, he uh, just mentions the Psalms, just like by themselves, and I'm not 
speaking about divorcing the word, it, it, it was just emphasis that it's a very special, it's very special. Um, not above the, the rest of the word, but it's very special um, as far as intimacy with the Lord. And uh, But anyhow, I, I, uh, I pray this a lot. Unto thee, O Lord, Psalm 25, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember how Jesus talks about sufficient. Don't worry about tomorrow. Yep. For tomorrow won't worry about itself, but sufficient for today is the evil thereof, right? That's right. What does it say? Today is the, is the day of salvation. Um, teach us to number our days, right? Well, God's like, let's take it day by day. And no, AA didn't come up with that, you know? Yep. That was the Lord, you know, um, moment by moment, you know. I don't just need the every hour. I need the every minute. Um, but, um, and uh, thank God that he gives us a daily cross. Thank God also, though, that we can find rest in him, even in the midst of the evil around us, you know. Um, uh, there's been times when I've been totally pressed, you know. Um with, with with opposition from within, from without, uh, in every every spirit, the spiritual realm, the world, and the flesh, you know, all at once, all hell breaking loose and just coming against me, you know, um, and it's amazing how it will just bring me to my knees, and it's really just God allowing that to teach me how much power there is in giving yourself to God, you know, in the worst circumstances, you know, and in the best of circumstances, you know. Um, what was it? it? It was David, right? When everybody was at, else was out to war, he was hanging out, you know. Um, so, you know, God has to teach us sometimes that um, it's not all about just taking a, um, a vacation, you know, um, from the things that we have, that we should be doing, you know, um, but, uh, you know, it's all about, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought, you guys, <laughs> because God, yeah, anyhow, he has me on, uh, a few different things, but I gotta be mindful of the time real quick. Um, so uh, forgive me for that brief um, thing. Uh, and, and in the future, maybe I should learn. You know, let's just move on. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen Pastor Marcus do that. Like I'm going on up on a rabbit trail. Let me just get back to the. Uh, but anyhow, um, I'm gonna let some of you other guys who have something to say. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would give your people what you want them to say. 
because we know that you have been working a message in each one of them. They are living epistles. Hallelujah. We just ask that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, praise you, God. Um, Brother Gary, do you have anything? Solomon's temple, Ezekiel's temple, and there's the natural rationalization. It wasn't his temple. If you read the scripture, it says it was the temple he was building into the Lord. I get it. <laughs> but like I said, I'm going to try and move quickly, point by point, very quickly, so that um, this is kind of thing where with the help of the Lord, you have to grasp get your, our attention and move quickly to a point so that we get the full meaning. Uh, so, I began to read in Solomon's Temple. I had read in Solomon's Temple, uh, and I read it again and again and again. It's one of those things where, like, suddenly uh, the Lord builds on it, and you begin to, something explodes, and it moves from there to something greater. And it's a progression of what the Lord is trying to show. And so I'm reading about Solomon's Temple. Uh, I reflect back on the tabernacle. I go to what, temporarily, you know, just off the top of the head, Ezekiel's Temple. So as I read through uh, Solomon's Temple, just for a split second, uh, Exodus 25.3, it talks about different things that go into the making of the tabernacle. There's other things. It talks about gold, silver, and brass. Uh, so I go from there, a touch point there, I come back to uh, the making of Solomon's Temple. And those things are covered in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse, chapter 6 and 7, 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and 4. But uh, in 1 Kings chapter 6, it speaks of the temple that is being built into the Lord by Solomon. Chapter 7, verses 13 through 47, the writer gives a somewhat lengthy... Somewhat lengthy description of works of brass that are being made and that are wrought for the, for the outer court area. There's a brazen altar, there's a molten seat for the priest to wash in, and as if in this pure fascination of mind, the Lord allows different things to be made. There's um, the 12 oxen beneath the molten sea. There's items made with cherry wheels. It talks about uh, all these spokes and everything. It's all made of metal. It's something that's eye-popping, catching, that when you see it, it's like this is something on the outside, and you're drawn to it, and you're drawn to it in substance, and you see it, and you think, wow, this is great. This is really something fabulous. And it goes on from there. It talks about two gold doors of gold that are on front of the temple. And all this gives you an, an appearance of something. And it captures the mind. It captures the eye. And it's almost like if you're not careful, that is as far as it goes. And it's like you're into just this mindset of this is really great. We're in just some great mode of worship here. And you go on. It's just like a framework that you're in. So, um... With all that, the interior of the temple is overlaid with gold. And the house, according to uh, 2 Chronicles 3.6, is garnished with precious stones by Solomon. 
And curiously enough, unlike the tabernacle, there's no mention of gold being utilized in the making of the temple. There's references by uh, David and also in uh, Ezra chapter 1 about candlesticks of gold, vessels of gold, and things that are being returned. And I want to move from there very quickly to the temple of Ezekiel. Chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read this quickly. It says, The five and twentieth year of our captivity in the beginning of the year, in the day, tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after the city was smitten, in the selfsame day, the hand of the Lord is upon me and brought me thither. And the visions of God brought me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain, which was as the framework of a city uh, on the south. And he brought me in, and he brought me thither. And behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. So he's there, and this is figuratively perhaps speaking, something very lofty, a spiritual place, spiritual point, the very entrance of the city, there's a man, and you know, it's already stated, his appearance of brass, and he's speaking with Ezekiel, and different things uh, go forth. And, along, and so anyway, this man begins curiously measuring and measuring and measuring and measuring. Chapter 40, 41, 42. And along the way, he mentions gates, chambers, courts, windows, arches, and all these different things and posts and all everything else. And all these things continue just like in a movement, if you will. It doesn't really describe anything great. It's almost like looking at something in grayscale on your printer, printing it off, and it's just laid out. It's like, where are we going? It's like a, uh, a panoramic tour of a real, something in real estate. You get off at the end, it's like, okay, watch your, nice to serve you, watch your step at the end as you exit the bus. And it's all said and done. Somewhere located in the middle of all this, chapter 41, there's mention of a temple that is measured also, described within, with wood, cherubims, palm trees. So within the scope of chapter, real quickly, chapter 40 through 42, there's information provided in measurements of a great many things. And I was reading this, what I thought was and what my attention was brought to, in chapter 41, there is a silent omission of details. There's no mention of gold, brass, precious stones, or anything. It's as if you're not directed to any source that would in itself gratify the eye or the mind. They are completely, just simply left out. And some things, uh, different points in times, are purposely done in Scripture for a reason. With all of this, there is a pattern of progression there's a tabernacle, Solomon's temple, what is there, all this eye-popping stuff, and now you come to an area where measurements, key things are left completely out. It's as if you're moving to a focal point of something that is yet to come, and things are not provided. They are purposely left out. And so anyway, um, Solomon's temple, what you have, was rendered is perhaps a means of conveying something to the mind, something visible, denoting the majesty, glory, and divinity of God. Back to the temple of Ezekiel, it talks about later on, uh, in verse, chapter 43. Let me read this so we get it. 
because it may not have a Bible. I'm just going to work through. Chapter 43, the first uh, three or four verses, it says, Afterward he brought me to the gate, even to the gate that looketh toward the east. Behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like the noise of many waters. The earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. I don't know how he was the one destroying it, but... And the visions were like the visions that I saw by the river of Chabar. And I fell upon my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is towards the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. Behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. So the earth shines with God's presence. His glory, instead of things being conveyed to man, now his glory is revealed to man. Solomon's temple, things that are captured by the mind and the sight, limited to understanding. The temple of Ezekiel, things are revealed of his glory and manifested to his people uh, at a perfect point in time. This is building here to a point. It was 14 years after the city was smitten. All that waiting time, now something is brought into view. The old, the new. Outward understanding, divine revelation. Things captured by the mind and the understand, somewhat limited understanding. Figures. Now the glory of God comes. And the thing of it is, the earth shine with the brilliance of God's glory by virtue of the same. So also the city, and although there are not people mentioned, it would have to fall upon them as well. Ezra chapter 3 and 12 talks about the fact of a rebuilding of a temple. And it talks about the fact that there were those there that at one point some mourned, others shouted with joy. Haggai chapter 2 verses 3 and 9 talks about the Lord was talking about in the midst of all that was going on. He said, how do you see this house? The glory of this house will be greater than the former. By visual circumstances, you would look and say, there's no jewels, there's no gold, there's this, that, and the other. What he was focusing on was the glory of worship of those that have a heart, a soul, a mind, that have a desire to come back once more and reach with everything that they had. Hallelujah, Jesus. And what the Lord impressed on my heart was this. There are those in this hour that are searching for things of a former understanding. God is a God of progression. Things change. And in time, his plans move forward. Those that are stuck in the past and they are waiting for something of the past to grab hold on. He's saying there is a greater glory coming. That's what he's saying. Son of man, you need to tell them. There is a greater glory coming. It is coming. Regardless of what you see in this world, whatever you see on the horizon, the political or the social agenda of this hour, I am coming with a greater glory. It is going to happen whether you are ready for it or not. And that's the thing. He said, you need to be ready for it. So whatever happens, I mean, this is hour. He goes on and he talks about the fact in the, uh, chapter 43, and he talked about an altar. He talked about the different things. And I thought, you know, curiously, so when I was reading this, you know, back in Exodus, it talks about an altar being purified. And, of course, over in Leviticus, it takes place. There has to be, in preparation, an altar in our lives. Amen. 
It talks about an altar that was in the making, the cleansing, the dedication in the heart and soul and lives so that we are prepared. I was not told the depth, but there Lord impressed upon me. You need to be prepared. Regardless of how things go up and down, I am coming with a glory. It will be in, it will be upon my people. That altar is a place of covenant, a place of faith. And think of it is, it's not like just trying to surmount your will to get there. Right. A desire, his enabling. And I'll cut this on one last point. I was reading, you know, when I read commentaries, it's not to gain a spiritual advantage. It is to get maybe something within the history context of what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. And this gentleman that was, you know how they get lofty, it's like, sit down. <laughs> so the guy was talking about many great men have desired to understand the things of the temple and on and on and on. And he goes on and I'm like, yeah. I was like, okay, look, I, I get it. So, and he's talking about the fact that many men have measured up their measurements and there is no understanding. I think the Lord has a sense of humor. In the middle of our reading that, in two seconds, millisecond, he said, and what I have studied was the, the temple, the boards, 10 feet by one and a half surrounding, you know, the holy holies. Ten is perfect order. And I thought, and I've read for years, one and a half, that does not make sense. In a moment's notice, the Lord said, prompt to me, what is number one? Unity. What is two? Witness. You've got an unequal measurement, one and a half. But if you take one and a half, one and a half, put it together, what is that? Three. Three is divine completion. We are not complete within ourselves. Right. But when we come together, there is perfect unity. There is perfect completion. And that is how the body of Christ comes together. As I was saying earlier, we need one another. The gift that you have, someone is going to need. The strength that you have, they may not be there today, but you may have an encouraging word. You may be able to lay your hands on someone and impart something. Something that is needed down their heart and soul. We need to move forward together. And we, by the grace of the Lord, I believe, will apprehend and come into the place of where he desires to be. God bless you.
mysterious ways and mm, figure it out later when we're with them. But I, just, I thank God for this church. It feels like a home away from home. And yeah, it's great great support. And thank you for accepting us into it. And thank you for being passionate about God and letting him move. Like as Dr. Jeffrey says, the flow of God is not a rigid pipe. It's a flexible mm. hose. He's going to change up and do different things. And as long as we stay flexible with him. Amen. I feel like the situation right now with Marcus gone, it's like he leaves the 90 and 9 to go search for those lost ones. To look where, where mm. that light can shine. Wow. Yeah. 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 Just a reminder shepherds don't make sheep. That's right. Sheep make sheep. Amen. We're the sheep. We should be producing sheep for our shepherd yeah. to be in his flock. We need to be out there always shining our light, showing people <clears throat> the light in our life and what God's done for us. Praise so they say, I want that. Why are they so peaceful in this time of COVID? Why aren't they worried about COVID? Because we know God's 100% in control. Yeah. That's right. right. Amen. If you don't believe God's sovereign, there's no point in being there. You're here. Amen. Mm-hmm. So God's sovereign. He can do what he wants. He can give you cancer. He, wants. he can make you blind. He can take your children before they're born. It's his children. It's his, his decision, not ours. I mean, life is going to be sad. doesn't say it's going to be good. But he says, if you take my yoke, it is easy. Yes. My purpose. Amen. If we work with him and do things his way, that's how he moves. Amen. Let's go to Let's go to 1 Peter. 179. Sam already touched on this. It says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that than a good <coughs> that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy and speak in one full glory, receiving of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. And then we jump over to James 1, 2 through 4. It pretty much the same thing. I'm sorry, James 1, what? 2 through 4. 2, 3, 4. Yes, 2, 3, 4. 2, 3, 4. 1, 2, 3, 4. Oh, okay, good. Uh, it says, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Yeah. Knowing this, if the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire one. So, the guy who has the keys to the kingdom and the Lord's half-brother both say the same thing. Count it all joy, and then knowing that the trying of your faith worth worth of patience. There's nothing worse to pray than, Lord, mature me. He's like, oh, you want to be mature? Get ready, because everything's going wrong. See how you handle it. You're going to keep your joy when things are going wrong. It says in verse 8, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded man means like, 
you think with your carnal mind, you're always trying to figure things out, and then you're trying to say, God, can you help me do this? Well, if you're going to try to figure everything out on your own, you're just going to fumble up what God has planned for you. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Amen. If you look at the three Hebrew boys, it says the trying of your faith, they'll be much more precious. Uh, actually, no, the one talking about let it be uh, tried, like gold's tried in fire. So God's going to try us in fire. He's going to give us some hard times to go through. And if you trust in the Lord and have faith, then you won't have any issues. The three Hebrew boys, they legit went to the fire. They had faith. The fire couldn't touch them because they trusted in the Lord. Amen. We'll go to Philippians 3.14. As I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So that word press, like to press, that I look at the, the definition says press, to move or cause to move into a position of contact with something by exerting continuous phys physical force. We have to physically force our flesh into compliance and submission to God, into his word. We have to make our flesh go into a state of dying so that God can live in us. So, the high calling of God was God in Christ Jesus, a spirit living inside of the body. We should have God's spirit living inside of us so that the world sees God inside of us. The reason we have to put it to death is because our carnal mind is the enemy of God. It's literally set to war against God. So any of your normal thinking is against God's thinking. And just like Tim said, I had this in my verse, lean not on my own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge me, and I will direct thy path. So God doesn't want us to think of how we're going to fix things, how we're going to pay our bills, how we're going to reach out to people. Keep trusting in him, keep asking him what he wants us to do. That's what we're going to understand. We'll go to Hebrews 1.11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. So faith is a substance. Faith isn't something you believe. Faith isn't something you think. Faith is evidence. So if you did something wrong, there's going to be evidence that you did something wrong. So there needs to be evidence in our life that we have faith in God, that we trust in God. And it can be any kind of evidence. It can be not looking at receipts because you know God's going to take care of your bank account. He knows you never have to worry about David says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or received begging bread. You don't have to worry about being yeah. fed. Right. He said, take milk off for tomorrow, Tim said. Yes. And Jesus yes. said in his prayer, he says, give us today our daily bread. He doesn't say, oh, restock my pantry with my 3,000 rolls of toilet paper. Because I'm providing for myself. You know what I mean? God wants to provide for us every day. He wants us. It's a relationship. I don't see my wife in the morning and say, I love you. That's it. Don't talk to her until the end of the day. I talk to her throughout the entire day. I'm giving her my attention. That's what relationship is. We'll go to Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So without faith, it's impossible. So that's going back to Hebrews 1. It says, without evidence, it's impossible to please God. You better have that evidence in your life. And evidence isn't for God to know. It's for the rest of the world to see where your faith lies. God doesn't need to be saved. The rest of the world needs to be saved. Amen. The rest of the world needs to see what that there's a hope. 
Praise God. And we'll go over to verse 36 through 40. So there's two sides of faith. I was thinking about this. And there's the faith where the people had evidence here and they had they looked for a country, they went out and did something, they had earthly evidence of their faith going on. But then there's the other side of that. Some people don't have the evidence in this world, in this life. In verse 36, and others had trials of cruel mocking and scourging, yea, moreover, the bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, meaning cut in half, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and the mountains and the dens and the caves of the earth. And all these having obtained a good report. These people had, where was the good report? Did anyone hear a good report there? They were killed, they were tormented, they were slaughtered. Right. For the word of God. They were slaughtered because they believed in God. They had a good report through faith. I didn't see any evidence. The evidence was them dying. But the evidence was they weren't going to give up. They were going to still believe in God. They weren't going to renounce him. Crazy. I read a book, this guy was being, ah. Torture for, I think, torture for Christ. The guy was tied up. And they brought his son there. They were beating his son to death, saying, just denounce Jesus. And he's, after like an hour or so, the son is in rough shape. He's like, son, I, I, forgive me, I have to renounce. He's like, I'd rather die than have a coward for a father. Mm. It needs to transfer to the next generation that, that severely. We need that evidence in our life. And our, our children see that there's a reason and a hope. Amen. Praise Praise God. God. Amen. Go to, uh, go to uh, Romans 14.23. This is talking about food, but I just want the last part. He that doubteth is damned if he eat, eat because he gets not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I just want to bring out of this verse, like, there's going to be things that we have to make decisions on that aren't going to be sin. It's not going to be a law. For Hebrew boys, it was literally a law not to work, not to pray to anyone except for the king. There's going to be a day when we need to make a decision. Are we going to obey the Lord or are we going to obey laws? When they start passing laws about vaccines and about things you can say, can't say, gender pronouns and stuff like that. We're for the Lord. We're not for anyone. Amen. When Joshua Amen. saw that angel and said, are you for our enemy or for us? Neither. I'm for God. That's who Amen. we need. Amen. Amen. We're not for our preservation, but we're for oh, God's preservation. Jesus. Amen. Yes. Praise, Praise Jesus. Jesus. That's kind of how we ended up in this place where <clears throat> our church wanted us to wear a mask. And it's like, what's a mask for? Like, everyone, you can follow the science and what they say. Do this, do that. But if you believe the Bible, if you don't get sick, how is God going to be your healer? You know, you're taking it into your own hands. And it says in Psalms, a plague can come, uh, 10,000 fall on your right hand, 1,000 at the left hand, but God's not going to let the plague come near you. So if you don't believe that, just black it out of your body, wear your mask, get your vaccine, do whatever you want to do. But until then, if you're going to believe the word, believe the whole thing, every line of it. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Yes, we'll go to Proverbs 3 through 5. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. 
Yes. I believe it's in James, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yes. And sometimes you feel weak and you don't feel like you can resist. But you need to get strength to resist. How do you get strength? It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And where do you get joy from? It says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Yeah. Now his right hand are treasures forevermore. So if you want to resist the devil, get into God's presence Amen. and he'll give you what you need to get away from the devil. Amen. And to be, not be thwarted from him. So too often we're always in our carnal mind trying to make sense of situations, make sense of how things are going to turn out. It says he'll work all things for good. It doesn't say for you. It just says for good. Period. That's a general statement. That could be God's good. It could be your good and not my good. So it doesn't say it's going to be good, but he's working all things out. He's in full control of all situations. He's in control when you don't have a job. He's in control when you're... He was in control of Lazarus begging at the rich man's gate. Lazarus made it, the rich man didn't. It doesn't mean just because you don't have money, you're not in right standing with the Lord. That's right. Amen. Think about the three Hebrew boys, like I said before. They disobeyed the law. Did that make sense? They're disobeying. They get thrown into the fire. Where, they were in a, a whole city filled with Jews that were deported. Where were the rest of them? Mm. They were a bunch of cowards bowing down. Did Daniel make sense disobeying the king? No, he still prayed. He wasn't afraid of the king's commandment. Fast approaching is a time when we'll have to decide the law or the Lord. But like it says in Joshua, choose you this day who you will serve. Yes. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs> That's Amen. what the Lord gave us for today. Thanks for your Amen. Praise in spirit. There's no doubt. You can't see him because he's not physically here, but I know he's here. And I'm not putting him above the Lord. What I'm saying is, is that this isn't a time for, for us to uh, oh yeah, pastor's gone, so we're going to do it different. No. no, no. This is in submission That's right. to the Lord and to our pastor and I know our pastor is going to be filled with joy because he sees the the work that 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 the, the labor, you know, the labor of God and the labor of him as a shepherd in the Lord. You know, the results, you know what I mean? There are fathers that are very happy when they start seeing like you you just discovered well, I didn't know my son could play that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure there's Things that are coming out yeah. that pastor's like, cool. You know, I knew I knew he had it in him, but I didn't know he had that much in him. You know, <laughs> praise God. You know, and it's the same. You know, I'm, I'm seeing awesome things. I feel like I'm getting to know, you know, um, people better through all this. Um, brother, brother Chris, you have any? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Right. Praise the Lord, church. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. Praise the Lord. Such a blessing to be here. Um, I do not have a three-point sermon worked out here, but organic, it's organic. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Good. 
good appointment. We all say divine appointment. Divine, divine appointment. It is by divine appointment that we're here. That's what the Lord is saying to me. Oftentimes, I'll come into service and the Lord will just start downloading things. I'm sure that happens to most of us. If we get into a, uh, a place with God during our praise and worship, that, that opens up a, a two-way communication. We, we, we build a throne for God to reside with us. They just quoted the scripture. In his presence is fullness of joy. If we're showing up to service, sometimes we get here and it's it's we feel untethered from life and, and we, we're getting to this, this soul-saving station. We're getting to that place where we know we can commune with God, with the people of God. There's something about that communal worship service that a lot of times will help us connect with God. But we should be doing that throughout the week. This shouldn't be just the place where we kind of just drag in here and, and that's where we get our fill up and then we go back up. It, this should be a daily walk. Amen. Um, that's what it said in Proverbs. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Throughout the entire week, everything we do, we should be acknowledging God. By divine appointment, we're all here because if I thought, you know, leaned on my own understanding, I probably would be in the church I was just in. I operate in faith because when I came into the church, it was completely by faith. I had just asked God back against the wall, listen, if you're real, prove it. Because I can't get myself out of this situation that I've been trying to get myself out of for years. If you're real, God, prove it. Here I am, in a pulpit with a Bible in my hand, talking about the things of God. I have a wonderful, beautiful wife, a beautiful family, and these are all things that God has blessed me with. None of this is, is my own doing, and, and I make no claim to any of it. It's all God's. Mm -hmm. He's given me stewardship over it. And it's only through my relationship with him that I'm going to have good stewardship over it. Praise God. Dave, Dave just said, I'm not promised a good shake in this life. I'm really comfortable where I am, but that doesn't mean that I should just stay comfortable and not do anything. Because all of this can go in an instant. We see examples of it in the Bible. If we just read the book of Job. Amen. He was, Amen. And, and he, it was through no fault of his own. It was, you know, God was proving him. God was proving his servant. And if I'm doing what I know to do for the Lord, could he not do the same thing to me? Mm -hmm. Look at my servant, Chris. Could he not allow the hand of the enemy to take what the Lord has blessed me with to prove whether or not I'm going to serve him? And am I willing to go through that? Are any of us willing to go through that? Because we're real comfortable here in this country where we can gather. There's a lot of people who they have to gather in secret. This book is illegal in at least 57 or 60 countries. You can't even have this book. It's illegal to bring it in. Punishable by death. Now, this is just a book of stories. Why would it have to be illegal? Go. By divine appointment, we're all here. Amen. We're under a pastor who, he didn't just close up shop because he had to go somewhere. He understood that his flock, the people that are, are under his pastor, would be able to still come in, fellowship, yes. worship together. Yes. He didn't say, all right, well, you know, why don't you guys come and, you know, zoom in with us over where we're at and 
That way I can kind of keep an eye on you and make sure everything's okay. He trusted the people that, that he's taught. And he trusts he, 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 he trusts all of you. He trusts all of us. And that's a beautiful thing because, I mean, church looks pretty full to me. There are some other places pastor goes away and nobody shows up. God's put a lot of things on, on my heart. Um, like I said, I don't have necessarily a, a full message, but there's there's one thing that the Lord has been reminding me. Um, I'm going to turn to the book of Mark. You can turn with me. Once I find it, I'll let you know where it is. <laughs> the book of Mark, chapter 6. And I'm going to start at verse 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Hoseus, and Judah, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. I was reading this, I don't know, a few months ago. And I was... The, Sometimes you, re you read a scripture, a story, a passage, you've gone over it a, a million times, and then there's, there's that one time where it just, something catches you. He marveled at them. The Lord God of creation marveled at his creation because of their unbelief. He couldn't understand. He's, he's, he's looking at these people, he's like, I'm your healer, I'm your salvation. Because Jesus knew who he was. These people had no idea. They were so familiar with him. They knew his mother. They knew his brothers. They knew his sisters. They said, this is that same guy we grew up with. Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country and among his own people. You think about some of the, the, the biggest names in Pentecost, the biggest preachers. There are people that look at, 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 at them as... That's just Jeff Arnold. It's just that guy that we grew up with. And what the Lord was reminding me was the cost of familiarity. What is the cost of getting too familiar with something? What is the cost of getting too familiar with, with your pastor and how he does things? And that's not to say that maybe you should travel around and go places where things are, are fresh and new. But what could you be losing out because you're like, Ah, well, pastor's just doing his, you know, scientific breakdown. You kind of just check out for a second. What could you possibly be losing? I mean, you could expand your own in intelligence. Pastor Warren is a phenomenal teacher. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of things that he knows. Mm -hmm. You could know those things, too. You just pay attention. Sure. The people that Jesus grew up with couldn't receive anything from him because they were too familiar with him. We get a little too familiar with things these days. We get a little too comfortable with the way that things are. I mean, we were just going along. Everything was fine. You know, the economy was booming. The, you know, people had jobs. Things were, things were going great. And we were really comfortable. And then all of a sudden, some outside influence comes in. Boom. 
Life's different. But then it becomes, for some reason, for some people, it's more difficult. Mm-hmm. Now again, the Lord's blessed me. I, I've, I've been able to work through this, this whole thing. I'm self-employed. I, I work for myself. And mm-hmm. thankfully, the, the Lord has kept me through all this in that regard. But mm-hmm. like Brother Dave was just saying, I don't have to rely on my own skill and ability if I truly believe that God is sovereign. Even if he took my, even if he shut my industry down, Lord, you gave me a family. You're going to have to give me some way of providing for this family. Amen. I'm not so familiar with my surroundings that, 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 I don't that I don't understand that things can change in an instant. And that I can... And I'm not so familiar with God that I just forget about what it is that He can do for me. Or He can do through me. Or He can do with me. As long as I'm an open and willing vessel. As long as I, I, I can go to God with a broken and contrite heart, understanding that I'm not some big, great person, that he's, that he's raised me up to be some, some wonderful preacher, or that he's given me this wonderful family so that I can be all high and mighty above everybody else that he hasn't given those things to. I'm not so familiar with God that I think that he's done something with me that he can't do for anybody else. I thank God for what he's done. But again, if he takes it all away from me, is he still worthy to be praised? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I look back at how I lived my life before I came into the church. I was a drug addict in the church. I was, I was an alcoholic. I was, I was a terrible, awful, no good, very bad person. I was a liar. I was a cheat. I mean, you name a commandment, I broke it and probably had fun doing it. I used to tell people I was blessed without a conscience. I could do things that... Just, it didn't bother me. I, I could sleep at night. I think back to some of the things that I've done, and they, they, I feel remorse for them. But again, God's delivered me from that life. That old man is dead. It's good. Amen. And it's only to the glory of God. I can, I can raise that dead man back up and, and, and live that life if I want to because he gives me free will. But I choose to follow him. I choose to serve him. I've been on both sides of the tracks, and I prefer this side. Amen. So I don't want to get so familiar with what God has done in my life that I'm not able to move into the new thing that he might be looking to do. Because again, if I just rested on what was familiar, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't have met this divine appointment. I wouldn't have gotten to this place where I'm operating in faith. I decided I wanted to exercise my faith in a, in a certain aspect, and, and that's why I'm here now. And I thank God for it. This is now the, the third pastor that I've been under, and it's not because I've had some sort of disagreement and, you know, well, I'm not going to go here because, you know, you don't do things the way that I want to do them. I've been following the, the, the leading of the Spirit of God to a point where... If you want me to move, Lord, I'm going to move. I'll go wherever it is you want me to go. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. Just tell me. Just point and I'll go. And that's how I've operated. And that becomes difficult at times. Because my wife sometimes is like, ah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what's going on here. And it's not always for us to understand. The Bible says that God has a reason for everything. We don't always get an explanation of that reason. That doesn't matter. We do that with our kids. I have a reason for why I tell my kids not to play in the street. I don't always give them an explanation. But there's a reason behind it. I don't necessarily deserve an explanation. 
You know, awful things happen in this world because this is a fallen world that we live in. We just read in Hebrews. The passages before that make it seem like a life of faith is all good and wonderful. Some receive their dead back to life. Some were delivered. I, I've experienced deliverance from drugs and alcohol in my life. I know it. That was 15 years ago at an altar. God pulled that stuff off of me. I physically felt that stuff pulled off. That was a wonderful experience in God. But does that mean that I'm, I'm not going to meet some awful end? Does that mean that, it, I mean, it looks like it's coming, church. I don't know about you, but I look at some of the things that are happening culturally, and it may soon be illegal to even just claim you're a Christian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're already talking about the words in this book being hate speech. They're having digital book burnings of things that are way less offensive than what's in here. Am I willing to walk that road to the point where God has me to walk it? And, and you know, maybe I do grow old in this. And maybe I see my children grow up and they all live lives dedicated unto the Lord. And, and maybe I see a bunch of grandchildren. And maybe I do see all that. And maybe that's what God has for me. And I thank him for it. And Lord, I hope that might be what you have for me. But I'm willing to walk that road if it meets, if it means walking into a life of where I have to see something horrible happen and, and decide whether or not I'm going to follow Christ or denounce my faith. Listen, church, there's nobody that can do to me anything worse than I've done to myself. And for no other reason, I follow God. If, if for no other reason. Because this life is so much better than what I was in before. And it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Amen. He gets sweeter and sweeter as the yes. days go by. Yes. Amen. Praise you, Lord. It's such an honor and a blessing to be here with you, to fellowship with people of like precious faith. Amen. Because not everybody has that. We have that here, and it's precious, and we should hold it as precious. Yes. Amen. If the government says, you know, you guys can't meet here anymore. Go find a house to meet at. I was willing to do that from day one when they said, no, churches can't be open. Now I get it. You know, we don't really know what's going on, okay, for, for the love of my, my brethren. But when, when, it, when it soon became clear that what we were dealing with wasn't as, as, as earth-shattering as, as they were making it out to be, and then they started opening things up, but churches still had to stay closed, I started scratching my head and wondering, What's going or when they told you, okay, you guys can open up. Everybody can come into, you know, come into church, but you have to sign up for a service and you you have to spend, you know, you can't actually stay in fellowship. And to me, I was like, what is going on here? What there's something there's something at play here deeper than what is on the surface. And again, walking in faith. Here I am. We're all here, worshiping, Amen. fellowshipping with one another, and this is a beautiful thing, and I, and I hold it precious, because, I mean, back where we live, our church was five-minute drive. <laughs> We're about an hour away from here. And I'm, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to come here and fellowship with people of like precious faith because that's precious to me. That's important to me. I was fellowshipping with, with Dave and we were just we we're having church in the house like they did in the, the, the book of Acts. Hallelujah, Jesus. But we understood that 
there was there was there's something about being under an authority and not just being out in 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 on your own. Now God is the ultimate authority and we were following his leading. And that led us to, you know, approach Pastor Warren and say, hey, you know, we really think that our children should be, you know, in a in a in a church service. We really think that we should be under under an authority. And if and if you would have us, we and he prayed and here we are. And I thank the Lord for it because I've always felt at home here. I mean, I think I think everyone here knows us. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, we hope to get to know you better, but we, we appreciate you guys welcoming us in here because it's one thing to come. It's another thing to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. Amen? I know, you know, a lot of us go places and, and experience things and, you, you know, you interact with different people and, and it's one thing to go somewhere it's it's another thing to feel welcome and we definitely feel welcome here we feel like we're we're part of the body here um, not just physically you know spiritually as well I feel like we fit right in you guys yeah you know we don't we don't seem to uh, you don't seem to mind how we worship and that's always appreciated and, uh, again we're we're all here by divine appointment Every service we make it to, and we should hold that precious because minute by minute, we don't, we're not guaranteed the next moment. And are we going to live for God now? Are we going to live for God here? Because tomorrow's not promised. All we have is right now. And I thank God for right now. I thank God for everyone that's here. Pastor Warren, we, you know, we appreciate brother and sister Warren and, and the efforts that they go they go to to, to follow the leading of the Lord. And, um, that's all I got. Just remember that every service you make it to is a divine appointment. Every time there's a there's a the church doors are open, it's a divine appointment. And you can go and you can meet God there. Don't just get so familiar with your Wednesday night service that ah it's just Wednesday. And nothing really happens on Wednesday. I've seen people get healed and delivered on a Wednesday night. I've seen people. I've seen people come to God on a Wednesday night. I've seen people make a decision. I've seen people get filled with the Holy Ghost. I got filled with the Holy Ghost on a Friday night on a special service. And you know, granted there was a special preacher there, but again, I was just some dude off the street. I didn't didn't know anything about this. I didn't hadn't even been seeking the Holy Ghost. I just got down and repented. The next thing I know. I was stuck. <laughs> God got a hold of me. Wish I had gotten it all perfect from that moment, but you know, still had some banging my head against the wall to do. But every opportunity to come into the house of God is a divine appointment. You can either make that appointment or you can put it off, but it's not guaranteed that you'll get another one. So I pray that if you're here today, you take this opportunity to follow what God has for you. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Praise you, God. 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 Praise you
to say, Gary, about um, every, how it says in the scriptures, like, the I can't say to the foot, I do not need you. Every member, we all need each other, you know? And uh, every, everything that was spoken, you know? Um, it's like you were talking about, Brother Chris, um, how if we pay attention, you were talking about how Pastor Marcus, you know, getting too familiar with things. And I love how the Lord can break things up in our lives in order to uh, reteach us something that we missed, mm -hmm. right. you know, uh, because we got too familiar, yes. you know, and, um, uh, but yeah, that's good, that's good stuff, absolutely, and uh, you remember, I don't know if, uh, but Brother Jeffers talked about, don't, don't come, when, when you come, to the house of God, you know, you, you're, you're not coming, you're coming to the God of the house. Yeah. That's the purpose, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. above everything, you know, yeah, I can't Jeez. wait to see my brothers and sisters in the crowd, but if I don't get to know God better, and if I don't um, connect with God, if I don't, what does it talk about, you know, you you will not leave here like you came. Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is, if you don't get to God, you will mm -hmm. leave like you came and, and worse. Uh, but if we if we can get to God, you know, and uh, you mentioned Jeff Arnold. It's funny because um, there was this message that I happened to listen to. Uh, it was a divine appointment type thing, but uh, uh, I was just hungry and the Lord just led me to that for, for whatever reason. And... Um, he wanted me to hear something because of the situation I was going through. And it kind of ties into what you were saying about pressing, the word press. And um, Brother Arnold has a, a good way of, uh, he loves talking about the Gospels and uh, how the press, um, it's tough to get to Jesus sometimes because of the press. Everybody is, 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 was, was pressing upon him. But he said, there's more access on your knees. The, the, the lady who had the flow of blood couldn't get to Jesus just by, you know, standing, uh, you know, on her own two feet or, or, you know, trying to use her own um, resources. She was all out, you know, but, but, but she could get on her face and crawl. To Jesus and um, there was access she was able to touch him and it it completely healed her and so um, it's all about hunger you know and uh, one, one of the things that God could have had me uh, talk about was um, how don't ever be ashamed the devil mm -hmm. fights hard to get us to feel ashamed for asking for help. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not a shame for a child to ask their father right. for help. If, if it's sincere, if it's for real, if it's a boy crying wolf type thing, you know, that's obviously probably something that uh, needs to be disciplined. But if that cry is sincere, Dad, I need help. If it's humble and it's broken and it's sincere, then a good dad is going to 
bend over backwards to help their child. Right. And, and that's how God is. Amen. When the cry is sincere, you know, I need help. Do a study on it. Look, even just look the word help up, you know, and you'll see that God is, he even talked about his spirit, the Holy Spirit, as the helper, you know, the greatest of all will be the servant of all. There's no one greater than God. There's no greater servant, even though we are to be his servants, you know. But Jesus still had John the Baptist baptizing, right? Because he was, you know, fulfilling everything. And he still um, bent on his knee and, and got into a servant's, um, almost like a slave's uh, 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 garb and knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. And that's the heart of Jesus. Yes. And the devil tries to twist it up and make Jesus out to be some kind of untouchable pope. You know, um, the devil is a liar. Yes, he is. Yes. You know, um, he can go to hell by himself. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And, you know, it's in those desperate situations, you know, um, where we rediscover, wow, you know, he's eager to help us. When, like you said, when we're not trying to do it our way, when we're ready to do it his way. Yeah. That's the key, the broken and contrite heart, you know? Um, so I thank God daily for the cross because it helps us to die, you know? Amen. We'll just pick it up. It will help us Amen. to die, you know? Um, uh, but, um, How's that? Absolutely. You say, is that all you wanted to say? Oh, <laughs> no, but. <laughs> I thought not. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You can talk all day if you love. Uh, yes, you want to say something? Sure. Help yourself. Hello, Harry again. Keep it simple. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, I, I believe I came into the church like been four and a half years now. Since Rick started working with Kerry first I come in and uh, been anything but what I was used to in the Catholic Church, and I, I like in uh, our lives, and uh, like a, a artist with every brush stroke, right. or every uh, carpenter with every whittle of the wood, creating his masterpiece. We may not know what we are be, being formed to be, but in the end, we'll all be perfect in God's eyes. Amen. Each and every day. Amen. That's right. Amen. 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 Sure. Importance of praise. You stay on a drugs. Brother Carrie? I talk about the importance of praise. You know, yes, sir. Uh, yesterday I was listening to uh, like uh, a daily bread ministry. Um, and uh, he was talking about how, you know, this person that was new to God, you know, he was, he didn't praise God and it took him a while. But mm -hmm. praise is effective and 
you know, if it's something that we should be doing all the time. And, um,
loves God so much. Amen. So don't we, but, you know. So, so what are we doing, Sister Rowan? Praying for Brother Marcus. Okay, go for it. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. Yes, God.